Welcome to the Expat Empire Podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on the Expat Empire Podcast. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that we're offering a free consulting call to anyone interested in moving abroad. Whether you're thinking about retiring somewhere warm, starting an international career, or becoming a digital nomad, we're ready to help you think through the next steps in your journey. Send us a message at expatempire.com to schedule your call today. With that said, let's start the conversation. Hey, Daniel. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. Oh, thanks, David. It was, uh, it's a pleasure to, have, to be a guest on your show. Yeah, it's awesome to get a chance to speak with you. You've had quite some interesting international experiences and kind of covered the globe more or less, or at least at least a good part of it and a lot of travels as well. So I'm excited to dive into that today. But if you could just tell us a little bit about your experience so far, where you're from originally, where around the world you've lived so far and where you are right now, that would be great. So, yeah, I like to say that like, I didn't travel as much as you did, but uh, <laughs> I'm originally from Italy. So I was born in, in, and grew up in Italy. I left there when I was uh, about 27. Then I went to New Zealand. I was there for almost five years and then in Canada. I've been here for, uh, what's that? Almost four, three and a half years, four years. So yeah, that's it. Awesome. And how have you uh, enjoyed living in those different countries? What would you say your overall experience is so far for each of those places? And of course, we'll dive into more of the details. I mean, New Zealand was interesting. New Zealand was very interesting, even because it was my first experience abroad. That's where I learned the language and that's, I don't know, it was, everything was new. So, you know, like some people say that you have, you're wearing like a pink glasses, like, yeah, some, like a pink sunglasses or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so everything was, was great. Everything was, even the, the challenges and everything was, everything was great. I loved it. Canada was my second experience, was slightly different. Maybe the expectations were different from the realities. So plus I was dreaming or I don't know. Thinking of living in a big city, what really is the life to being living in a big city and the reality really matches the, <laughs> the expectation. Right. And I found out that I'm not a person that should live in a big city. I'm more like a small town kind of guy, which is where I grew up. I grew up in a small town. So that was kind of interesting to find out more about myself in, in these two journeys. Like I, I discovered a lot about myself with it. Yeah, I can imagine. And of course, those are really important things to figure out. And as you said, you start out in the small town, a lot of people want to see the big city, and then they might find out that uh, the small town was a better fit for them, or, you know, it's always a process of readjustment. So it'd be good to hear a little bit about where kind of, you know, your journey started, of course, back in Italy, it sounds like in a small town, what really gave you that drive? And, you know, what, to be able to move abroad, how do you go and pick yourself up from that and move really pretty much halfway across the world to a place like New Zealand. So I think New Zealand was just happened to be New Zealand. I just wanted mm-hmm. to leave Italy and I think everything, the dream of the, or the idea to leave Italy and go abroad will start probably my early twenties. Actually, at some point I almost joined the army just because I wanted to combine the technicality mm-hmm. of my job, which was in telecommunication and the fact that you can travel abroad, you can like go to different places and, and be able to work. So I almost joined the army. I'm glad I didn't, but that's for, a, maybe it's a topic <laughs> for another podcast, but I'm glad I didn't. But 
when I turned 27, probably even the milestone getting closer to 30, you start putting your life in a different, on a different lens, trying to like figure out, like, I don't know, putting everything on, uh, on, on a spreadsheet in a, in a virtual spreadsheet, mm-hmm. just saying like, what the things do you achieve? The things you want to keep like achieving life and all of that. And also there was a, an external factor was the I, I work. I reached to the point where tech, like the, on the technical aspect, I couldn't grow anymore. Mm-hmm. I got to the pretty much the peak of my career as a technician in, te- in telecom. And also the company I was working for decreased my salary. And I knew that seeing, looking at the economy in Europe, especially in Italy, the fact that they cut their salary, the future will be only get worse. It's not mm. going to get any, they're not going to give me more money in the future. They're just going to start cutting and cutting and cutting. And because I had big dreams, I only was, I was 27 at the time. Like I thought, I can't, I, I don't want to stop here. I just want to do as much as possible. I'm trying to grow professionally and trying to make more money to have a better life and all of that. So I decided that it was easier for me to actually quit my job in Italy, which was like, they call it a secure job, right? Mm-hmm. So I, it was easy for me to quit the job, a secure job in Italy and move away from Italy than actually trying to find another job in Italy, which was really hard to find another job mm-hmm. in Italy. And so for me, it was just easier to move abroad. And also at that time, my dream was to work, as, as I mentioned, like I wanted to grow professionally. So I, my dream at the time was to move to Silicon Valley and work mm-hmm. for a tech company. I love telecommunication and networking, all that kind of stuff. So my dream was to join, I don't know, Google, Cisco, Apple, just this big tech company and work for them. But I didn't speak. See, I speak like a zero English when, when I decided <laughs> to leave Italy. I tried to, I thought about like applying for a job, but then I realized like, how can you even like apply for a job? Like getting mm-hmm. go job interviews if you don't even speak the language. Mm-hmm. So I started looking into starting abroad, or specifically in the US. And I do some math and just the, the economical side it was not working for me it was like too expensive so okay like let's find a place where i can go where they speak mainly the first language is english so my idea was to go somewhere learn the language as soon as possible and then move to the us so i put down the list i think there was like a three countries that i could pick up from and one was australia was canada and new zealand I excluded Australia because at that time, every single person I heard from Italy was leaving Italy, was going to Australia. <laughs> mm. And because my main goal was to learn the language as soon as possible, I didn't want to hang out with Italians. Like I don't want to be around Italians, just going to avoid Italians as much as possible, which I did actually. So <laughs> I excluded Australia for that reason. Canada, I thought was too cold. Like if I want to go somewhere else, I want like something like tropical, I don't know, something, something cool in, in a way. So I thought Canada was too cold. So I screwed that for that reason. But, oh, there's New Zealand. I heard like good things about New Zealand. Not a lot, but I learned a good, the, the, the little things I learned about New Zealand was good things. So like, let's give it a try. I didn't even know what New Zealand was on the map. I mm. knew kind of where it was. But I really didn't know specifically where it was. So I applied for the visa anyway, without even knowing what it was on the map. And I applied for a working holiday visa. I think like not even two weeks later, they, they, got, they got approved. And, mm. and then when things start becoming real, like, oh, oh my God, I'm actually going to do this. <laughs> I look at the map and I thought, the first thing I thought when I look on the map, and when I saw where New Zealand was, which is completely on the other side of the world, like, oh, my mom won't be happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, in fact, she wasn't. So yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Like 
mm. because I just wanted to learn the language as soon as possible and move to the US. That was the idea. Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there, definitely. I'm curious, sort of on the logistical kind of concrete standpoint. So did you quit your job before you applied for that uh, working holiday visa in New Zealand? Or did you get everything kind of sorted before you made such a big decision? Because obviously that clearly had a lot of big impacts in your life as well. So how did you think about the risks uh, of all of these decisions? Or did you just say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go for it. And you just uh, put in your notice before figuring out your next steps. I don't remember, um, but no, I'm pretty sure I had already a visa because mm-hmm. everything like started to be real when I, yeah, actually, no, now that I think about it, I got my visa approved. It was the mon- Easter Monday. So it was like a, around April. I don't remember that year, but it was Easter Monday. I remember was going on uh, or having a barbecue with the friends. That's usually what we do in uh, Easter Monday in Italy. And I remember like telling my friends, like, I didn't even tell my mom at this point. I just told my friend, like, oh my God, I think I did a big mistake. <laughs> like, you know, not in a bad way, but it was like, oh my God, I think I, I did something here. I like, what's going on? Like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to New Zealand. <laughs> and that's where like, uh, I broke the news to my friends and I quit my job. I was in July. Yeah, I quit my job in July. So uh, things already moved already. I don't remember where I, st- if I apply for the visa first or... I, I, because before actually apply for a visa or at the same time, I don't remember, but when I decided to leave Italy, I thought I could go through the company because it's mm-hmm. such a big, one of the biggest company in Italy and they have a branch in South America. So I thought maybe they can send me to South America would be, so I could have mm-hmm. my own experience abroad and also have the safety net that you still have a job. You still have an income. You don't have to worry about logistics. You don't have to worry about finding a job when you get there. It's kind of like in a cocoon like I just move you there and just continue your life somewhere else so right. I tried that path didn't go well mm. uh, they said no Daniel there's no opportunity so if you want to go abroad have this experience that you want to have you need to quit your job like okay fine then I quit my job then and I remember like I gave my notice a month like a month prior I left the, the job which is probably was I probably left in uh, the 1st of August mm-hmm. so I must have been the 1st of July when I gave the notice I remember my last day of work. It's probably one of the saddest days of my life. I remember having breakfast in the morning. I was crying. I was mm-hmm. crying because I was like, I love my job. I absolutely adore my job. So for me, like I, knowing that was, that was the last time I was going to work was just painful. Like I mm-hmm. remember like having bre- breakfast and, and crying just mm-hmm. because I wanted to do it, but I was like, I don't know. There's something about, I love that job. In fact, every time I go back to Italy, Every time, uh, the, probably the, f- the second day or even the day after I landed, I usually call my coworker. We go out for lunch, like all mm-hmm. together with my coworkers. That's what we used to do. So I love my, I really love my job. The logistics. So for New Zealand, so as I said, I quit my job. Uh, I think it was in June, uh, the last day was in uh, August. So I had, and then I left the 1st of September. And the way I did it, so I applied for a working holiday visa, as I said, and there's a company in New Zealand called Working Holiday Started, mm. which is a company that helps you to make the first step into the country. I didn't know much about like moving abroad, even like living on my, by myself. I was living with my mom at the time. So I was just, everything was new. I didn't know <laughs> anything about like living on my own and especially not knowing like living, starting a new life in, a, in another country, uh, probably even opening a bank account. Like mm-hmm. my, probably my mom opened my bank account even before I knew it or probably she had me doing or something like that. So even opening 
that this this easiest thing opening a bank account was like foreign mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. So this company helped me to open a bank account, get the IRD, which is the the equivalent of the short-term insurance number, which is mm-hmm. the number you need to in order to work. They helped me to find like a SIM card. They found they helped me to find accommodation. They sent somebody at the airport to pick me up. So everything was organized for me. So that was for me it was a huge, huge help. Like at least having somebody that is waiting for you at the airport is not you're not completely alone. You had somebody there right. waiting for you. That somebody was meeting me the next day at the hostel where I was staying, taking me to the bank, open the bank account for me. It was somebody that will hold my hand, making the first step in the country. It's a huge, huge help for me. As I said, I didn't know anything, like absolutely nothing. So that was the that's the way I did it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I went there like absolutely no English. I started like learning a little bit of English before uh, before I left, but I went there like no English, no job, and just. Hope that things will work out at the end. <laughs> and apparently they did. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about how that went. But I have to ask first, just to close a loop on one other topic. So how did you break this news to your mom and, and or your family and friends? And how did they take it? You know, was there a time where they tried to get you to stop and to stay uh, living in Italy? Or were they supportive? How did that all go? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, uh, as I said, my mom didn't take it that well. I mean, like she, the first thing when I told mom I'm going to New Zealand, she, she did the same thing. She looked at the map and like, Daniel, really? Can you go any anywhere closer? Like, really, you have to go. I know you want to leave Italy, but do you really have to go to, on the other side of the world to leave Italy? There's like so many places in between between Italy and New mm-hmm. Zealand. Can you find something else? Like, I remember saying to my mom, "Mom, think about the positive side." Everywhere I move from there, it's going to be closer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. She didn't take it too well, but she was happy for me. She was happy because she knew the situation in Italy wasn't good and Mm -hmm. still not good. So she was happy for me that I was leaving and following my dream. But at the same time, it's my, was my, it's my mom. So, you know, like how can be happy? Like she asked, of course she was sad for me that she saw me leaving, but she was happy for me. My friends, I think it was like a more like a 50-50. As I said, I broke the news mm-hmm. with them uh, at the barbecue. But even then, like you said, between say that you're leaving and actually leaving, there's a two different mm-hmm. things. Like so many people say, oh, I'm going to do this. And at the end, they don't do it. So at the beginning, I think it was like, yeah, okay, fine. Like you, you, you say you're going to do it, but let's see if you actually do it. I think things became real, like a closer when I quit my job. And mm-hmm. I think even there was like a people that were supporting me because they knew I was, they were happy for me that I was chasing and chasing my dreams. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the friends, which are my best friends, were not as supportive just because they didn't want me to leave. Like pretty right, much they, right. they were like in a way where uh, they were, how you say, um, egoistical, mm-hmm. egotistical, no, egotistical, no. Yeah, egotistical. egotistical right? Yeah, yeah. Egotistic. Yeah, in yeah. a way, they were egotistical. They were. They didn't want them. They want me. Didn't want me to leave. They just want me to stay there with them. Mm-hmm. So, some of the people that I was hoping to have support, I didn't get the support from them. But overall, I remember the last month in Italy was probably the best time of my life, mm-hmm. just because I described this in in a previous episode. I was talking with other other guests. That I found like, you know, like I found like the, yeah, the example I give is like a being at your own funeral and you're not mm. dead. 
You know, when, mm. you're like a, <laughs> when somebody dies, they always say good things about you. They right. show they actually appreciate <laughs> your love and all that stuff. Things don't say certain things until you died. And I had the pleasure of that, having that experience and I was still alive. Right. It was, right. It was actually <laughs> such a great month. That was like having party after party because everybody was leaving. I had different friends, different group of friends. So I have multiple parties just for me leaving and everybody showing you the love that in a way they show it, but they never said certain things. Right. Right. It was surprising and heartwarming. It was just, I don't know the best time of my life was, was amazing. And I couldn't get to that level of friendship and connection with my friends if I didn't leave Italy. Mm-hmm. And also even every time I go back to Italy, you have just a different experience. You, you wouldn't mm-hmm. have the same connection, the deeper connection, and if feel like loved and wanted in a way that like people, I don't know, they wanted to be there. Like you, you wouldn't have that connection if never left. So, sure, sure. you know, in a nutshell, like, some people were less supported than others, but overall the experience was absolutely amazing. Yeah. And, and it really, like you said, it, it shows who the true friends are and, you know, makes those bonds even stronger when you go back. And I think that's a great point. So now jumping back forward, now you're in New Zealand, you're settled in a little bit. You have kind of the basics that you need to be living there and surviving, let's say, but you are just at the very beginning stages of learning English. You don't have a job yet. You know, can you walk us through what the process was like, what some of the surprises were, the challenges that you faced, and ultimately how you really got settled there, especially finding a job? So, as I said, as I mentioned before, like there was this company that was helping me, holding my hand through the whole process at the beginning. And this guy, Robin, helped me to, she gave me some recommendation, like based on my um, my goals based on my background and all of that things like, like Daniel you don't speak the language we know that so what I would recommend is just go to an English school for the first month learn the basic learn a little bit of English have like an understanding of the country because one of the things that teaches you the, in the English course the English school is not just the language mm-hmm. but even the, the custom of the country the things the difference between your country and their country and all that kind of thing so what's a good way to learn a little bit of the country not just English. And also this guy, Robin, told me, like, if you really want to find a job, the easiest way to find a job is to move, is for you to move to Christchurch. Mm-hmm. So when I landed in New Zealand, I landed in Auckland, which is at the top of the, the North Island, which is the capital. No, not, not, that's not true. It's not the capital. It's the biggest city in, in, in New Zealand, mm-hmm. but it's not the capital, sorry. And they asked me to, to he recommended me to move to Christchurch, which is the, in the South Island. It's just the second biggest city in, uh, in New Zealand. And, and the reason he recommended me to move to Christchurch was because Christchurch had a massive earthquake in 2011, 2012. So the whole city needed to be rebuilt. So they were looking for like a people in the trade industry, like electrician, electrician, telecommunication, anything. They were looking for people over people over people, like just because they need to rebuild the city. And it was a great advice. It was like, easy for me to, to move there, finding a job and actually get a visa after all. But as I mentioned before, I didn't speak a language. Even, even though, even I have to add to that, even if you speak the language, when you start a new career, a new job, the terminology they use sure. is not necessary. You, you probably you wouldn't know. Even if you are maybe fluent in English or you can have a conversation in English, that doesn't mean you can apply that English level to mm-hmm. the, actually to your profession. 
for example, I could I could say my name is and that kind of things and move around normal situation. But when would ask me to Daniel, can you go and grab me? I cannot get me a screwdriver. Like I have no idea what a screwdriver was. Right? Are you imagine trying to find a job and trying to prove yourself that you're capable to doing the job when you don't even know the name of the tools. Mm-hmm. Right? was so frustrating for the people that I work with. <laughs> I remember like in this situation, I think it was my first job ever. They, the work agency called me and like, Daniel, we got like this guy that's interested in you. Can you go and have an interview? At least that's what I understood over the phone. They might have said something else. That's what I understood. <laughs> so I got like my nice clothes and everything. I got on my bike. I went there to do the job interview. And the guy's like, okay, yeah, let's get on the van. Like, what do you mean let's get in the van? Like, I thought I was just jumping the view and like, no, 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 we're going to work. So like he, he borrowed, he gave me some clothes from, I don't know, previous <laughs> employee or whatever. I went to the back, to, I just get changed and I, I went with him to get the, to the job. I remember he was on the top of the ladder, looked down at me like, Daniel, can you go to the van and grab me this thing and that thing? Like, I have no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I kind of understood what he was referring because I could maybe hear, understand that like, I maybe understood the word van in a way, or maybe mm. the gesture he was saying. But, but so I went there, back in the van, opened the van. Like he probably just told me exactly, like maybe open the, the side door on the left, on the right. Mm. This is the tools I need. And there's the thing. He might have said that, but I, as I said, I couldn't understand a thing. Mm. So I opened the van, I trying to figure out what he might need based on the task he was doing. And I went there with like a two tools and looking up on the, on the ladder. And I saw his face like, oh, you're such an idiot. <laughs> I just had like a dead feeling like, and that was the whole frustration at the beginning. Like you feel such a, you feel stupid because you don't speak right. the language. People right. treat you like, maybe they don't treat you, but that's how you feel. I feel mm-hmm. like a stupid. Like the fact that you don't even know what tools I need, like the basic going from, as I mentioned before, in my career in Italy, I was on the peak. Like mm-hmm. I, right. in my career, there was like, a, I was pretty good at what I was doing. And starting in New Zealand, I was right at the bottom, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the last place on the chain. Like, so it was like, but I'm so grateful that they gave me, at least they gave me the opportunity to work. And with time, I just improved my English. I learned the name of the tools. <laughs> and, and, and finally, I find, find a job where the, I could apply for a visa. So I mm. applied for the visa and they gave me the visa. So that was, sorry, that was the same job or you found a different job that then enabled you to apply for the visa? Oh, no, that job lasted like a few days, that guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After yeah. a few days, it's just like, Daniel, I'm done. I'm done with you. Just like send somebody else. Like, no, I worked for electrician afterwards because that's my background as mm. electrician and telecommunication. So finding a job as electrician was pretty easy for me. I remember like even there, like the frustration of my boss. I remember once I was asking for how to do a task. Like, do you want me to do this? And the answer was... I was expecting it was like yes or no. But the guy was telling me why to do it or not to do it, mm-hmm. but it was not yes or no answer. Like I asked it three times and the guy was looking at me trying to explain why doing or not doing it. They said they had like, oh my God, just give me yes or no. I don't understand what you're saying. Just tell me yes or no. I was so frustrated, but not with him, with myself, that I wasn't able to understand. So he gave me the, the I worked for them for three months which is the, the maximum you can work with on a working holiday visa in New Zealand, at least mm-hmm. that's for Italians. So you can work and study for up to three months for the same company. So after mm-hmm. three months, you can work for the whole year, but every three months you need to change the job. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. after three months, I decided to take some time off 
studying. So I got my certification as an IT person. So I thought at the time, like, as I said, I felt stupid. And for me, mm-hmm. the only way to prove other people that I wasn't stupid, it was to get some certificates. Mm-hmm. Going there with a piece of paper, like, told you I wasn't stupid. Like, I got a piece of paper that proves I'm not stupid. <laughs> I still don't understand what you're saying, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I got a piece of yeah. paper to prove it. If you can just write it down for me, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. That was it. And um, so I took some time off in order to for me to get the certification. And I, I needed to, at least for myself, to prove that I was able and it was good enough to apply for a better job, which I did. I applied for a better job in telecommunication and I got the job, which mm. is, looking back, I didn't need a qualification at all to apply for the job and to get the job. But that was for me to prove mm. to myself I right. was good enough to apply for the job, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so when I applied for the job, it was more like into my industry, was it more like a towards what I, the goal I wanted to reach in life. And then when I applied for a visa. So, of course, this was the first place that you lived abroad. Did you find any particular parts of the culture challenging to adjust to or really surprising or or maybe something that you really enjoyed compared to what you had left back in Italy? No, I mean, as I said before, everything, I mean, at the beginning, everything was challenging because mm-hmm. everything is new, everything that you do, it's much harder, like even going to work. I used to go to work with a company vehicle. Now I get on the bike at like a six o'clock in the morning to go to work. Like it's, <laughs> right. Everything was challenging. But in a way, I embraced the challenge because in my mind, it was like, when, if or when I'm going to make it in like in this succeeding, in this like a changing, like building a new life abroad, like it has to be challenging. If it wasn't, mm-hmm. if it's not challenging, it's not really rewarding. Like even like a telling, like, I don't know, I was thinking maybe like a telling to my, my kids or my grandkids, like, mm-hmm. how did you do it? Like, yeah, I did. It was like, I, I did it. I got to where, where I wanted to go, but the process to get there wasn't easy. Mm. Like I wanted it to be hard just to be more, in a way, more rewarding afterwards. So right. I, I embraced the challenges that, that they came along with the, with it. The surprise, like I said, like everything was, everything was new. Everything was different. The main, nothing really surprised me because as I said, everything was new and even the challenges, I remember like other people, like the change of like a different custom and different lifestyle mm-hmm. compared to Italy. I remember like in New Zealand, everything shifted like a few hours earlier. Like in Italy, for example, uh, at night we go out at 10 o'clock, we start mm-hmm. drinking, we go clubs and whatever until like four o'clock in the morning or whatever, six o'clock or whatever. In New Zealand, everything was shifted back. So everything after 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock pretty much the night was over. Like the people started drinking at four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. And then like by the time it's like eight o'clock, they're pretty much wasted and uh, <laughs> pretty much dead. 10 o'clock is the end of the, ev- the, end of the evening. I yeah. remember like having a friend in New Zealand, which is from Spain. Spain is even worse. Like it's 10 o'clock, they're having dinner at like 10 o'clock. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So for him, like what's going on? Like I want to go out. And when I wanted to go out, it's my time to go out. People are just going home. Like it was so frustrating for him. I embraced it because for me, it was like, great. Okay. I can go have fun, have a few drinks, going back at 10 o'clock, going to bed at 10 o'clock and get up in the next morning and come mountain biking, go do my thing. So I had, sure. I, I didn't waste the next day. So even the changes in the lifestyle, I embraced that as well because worked with my lifestyle. So in New Zealand, no, there was, as I said, everything was new and I embraced it as a new thing. I didn't 
in a way, uh, how you call it, opposed. I wasn't opposed to these changes. I just embraced them because, I don't know, everything was new. Everything was exciting. Everything was what I wanted. I wanted to be abroad. And finally, I was living on the other side of the world. So everything sure. that happened was, was great. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it's good to hear that you embraced it and didn't find too many things to be too frustrating. Or, you know, sometimes I think expats can get in that space where they're comparing it to their home country, or I wish it was a little different. I wish it was this way or that way. So I think you had the right mentality going into it, maybe more so than your Spanish friend. But I wanted to ask a bit about your friends as well, because you talked about at the beginning not wanting to go to, for example, Australia, where you were seeing a lot of Italian people go. And of course, you wanted to learn English. You wanted to have that foreign experience. And I definitely commend you on that. But how did you make your friends there in New Zealand? And did you find that you were able to make close friendships or were people not too sure, you know, sort of how close to to get with you, given that you were initially on a working holiday visa, for example, and not sure necessarily at that point about your future? No, but... The visa problem wasn't a problem because in New Zealand, a lot of people are from somewhere else. Like mm. even people from New Zealand, they're from a other part of New Zealand. They're like a all, like, at least in my experience, at the beginning, the friends were like just from, not even in even in the, in the future, but everything they all experienced. Most of my friends were either my worksmate, my coworkers, or my flatmates. That's where I, that's where I met the people. Even because it, in New Zealand, it's very common sharing a house. So uh, I was at the beginning, I was sharing a house with, I don't know, six, eight people. And so that's where I started even making friends with them, making friends with neighbors. But I have to say that at the beginning it was hard for me to make friendship for the same reason it was hard for me to prove myself that I was able to, to find a good job because I couldn't speak the language. And when you don't speak the language, even being funny is very challenging. Mm, so it's right. hard to make connection. Mm-hmm. Where you're not as good as you are, you are in your own mind. Like mm-hmm. you want mm-hmm. to be funny. If somebody says something and it's tr- oh, I got something to say. I want that's that's really funny in my head. Then you need to try to translate it there yeah. into the other language. And by the time you find a way to say it, it's, the, the timing is completely wrong. And still, in, it stays in your head. And like it builds up, builds up, builds up until like oh my god, I got so many things to say, and it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember even my friend, like, oh, Daniel, don't worry. Like, you're funny. Like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm funnier than this. Like, right. <laughs> but it was like, it was frustrating. It was like, oh my God, I I'm, I know I can be funnier, but I don't know how to say it. Like, sure. So at the beginning, it was like, it was the same thing for like a romantic relationship. I didn't even try to have a romantic relationship for years just because how can somebody fall in love with me if the person I am right now, it's not the real me because mm. I can't be the real mm. me without the language. So even finding like a romantic relationship, I was off the table for years. Just don't even try. Don't even want to try doing that. Mm. But making friends in New Zealand was easy. Every you can just see somebody in the eyes on the way working on the street and you start talking. It's mm. so easy to talk to people and meet people. And because we're mostly on the same situation, people coming from abroad, people come from different states, like part of the islands, part of the country. Everybody was looking for new people, new friends. And sharing a house with other people, it's the easiest way to make friends. The second I moved to, we were pretty much we're like my first, second family. We we're like mm-hmm. having dinner together. It was just that deep connection. And like, as, as I say, as a second, it was like pretty much a second family. 
and also at work, I was pretty lucky. It was my company was fairly big, and most of the people, most of the, my coworkers were my age or my current, my similar situation, maybe single in mid twenty mm-hmm. five, maybe maybe twenties, thirties, that kind of lifestyle. It was like people who wanted to go out and drink and have fun and party and all that kind of stuff, which was easy for me to make friends mm-hmm. compared to here in Canada. I don't want to jump forward, but here in Canada is <laughs> slightly different because the people I'm working with, they have a family, maybe because mm-hmm. I'm getting older now. So maybe people in, in my age now, they have family, they have kids, so they're not really living my own lifestyle. But in mm-hmm. New Zealand, it was, was super easy to make friends and connection. And there were people from, as I said, New Zealand, from other parts of New Zealand, or expat, or people from abroad, from other countries. And it was like a mix of both. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like you were able to find people in similar situations, and that definitely helps to get the conversation started at a minimum and hopefully build some good, deep relationships there. But I actually do want to <laughs> jump forward. I think it's a good segue into talking about your time in Canada. So from my perspective and, and what I've heard so far is that you were you know, going into New Zealand, you started on a working holiday visa, you didn't know any English, you learned a lot of English, you were able to do the job, you found a company to sponsor you. You, you know, had a couple years there under your belt. You had a, a second family of friends. You were getting used to the culture. So to me, it sounds like the natural instinct would have been to stay. And, you know, I, I'm curious what led you to decide maybe to look into other places and obviously how you ended up in Canada. So if you could walk us through that, that'd be awesome. That's probably was even the, probably the smartest decision probably to stay, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> no, I think like looking back was like Canada was what I was expecting, but not. And I explain what I mean by that. Like when I decided to leave New Zealand, I left because I felt too comfortable. And I noticed that when I moved to New Zealand the first time, the challenges of making happen that you have to make it happen. It forces you to give your 110 percent. So you give mm-hmm. it, give it all. And I found myself in New Zealand uh, comfortable. Like I was, I had my job, I had my circle of friends, I had my side hustle that I will talk about later, and every everything was fine. Even though I had like a crazy schedule, but I was still comfortable. I was making enough money to to pay the bills, going back to Italy every once in every year. I was able to have enough time to work on my side hustle. Everything was comfortable. I felt like I needed to make a change. I needed to put myself into the situation or of like discomfort. That's pretty much what I was looking for. And the reason why I went to Canada mostly was because, as I mentioned before, like I had my side hustle, and at the time was um, building apps. I was like a developing apps for iPhone, and Everything started when I applied for my permanent residency in New Zealand and got rejected. And the moment it got rejected, I felt like I have no control over my life. I was building this life in the new, the new country in New Zealand, and they couldn't take it away from me at any point. They couldn't mm-hmm. kick me out of the country and bye-bye. Like I have to start all over again. So I wanted to be at least in control of my, the financial aspect of living abroad so for me that was okay i want to find a way to make money just using my computer 
And because mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a tech kind of guy, I love technology and all of that. The easiest and the most I don't know intuitive path was to develop apps. So I learned how to code and I started making games and apps for iPhone. And at that point, like I wanted to learn as much as possible. And for me to learn as much as possible was to work for a tech company. Going back to my, my, my like at the beginning, like talking to my dream at the beginning. In, in a way, yes, differently, because I didn't want to be in telecommunication anymore. I wanted to take a, a different path. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I want to create my own stuff. I just need to work for somebody else to get paid and learn as much as possible in the quickest, short time. Right. I tried to apply for tech companies in, in New Zealand. I even sent an email. Like, I know I was like, my visa at the time only allowed me to work as a telecommunication technician mm-hmm. and to change industry, you need to get applied for a new visa. And at this point, I was like a, teaching myself how to code. I never worked in a, in a company environment. I wasn't that good either because I learned from YouTube. So I sent like a bunch of emails to all the company in Christchurch saying like, this is my situation. I am not allowed to work for you. I don't have the visa to work for, but I'm eager to learn. I'm motivated to learn. So just give me a chance. I'll work for free after hours on the Saturday, whatever. I can work for free. Just give me a chance. I'll prove it that I can do this. And, and then you can decide if you want to sponsor me to get a visa or not. Nobody replied. And I thought, you know what? I was close to renew my visa in New Zealand and I thought maybe for the same reason my PR was denied, maybe even my visa would get denied. So I needed a plan B. My plan B mm. was Canada. I People told me that Canada was like New Zealand, but bigger. <laughs> um, I knew that Whistler and British Columbia has got probably the best mountain biking in the world. Mm. So because I love mountain biking, I thought let's apply for visa, let's apply for visa there. And also in Canada, for Italians, you can apply for the working holiday visa up to 35 years old. Mm. At that time, I believe I was 31, probably. So it was one of the few other countries that could apply for another work holiday, working holiday visa. So I, that was the reason why I moved to Canada to challenge myself and to get in a, in a new industry to get into like a software developer kind of industry. So even though you were learning how to code on the side and you were building some different apps and games and projects, you didn't want to stay in the telecommunications business and then just keep that as your side project. You actually want to work as a developer and that's really what was driving you ultimately, right? Yes. The the ultimate goal was to, for me to build my own apps, mm-hmm. having my own company and make a living out of my laptop pretty much. So if they kick me out of New Zealand, if I can move to, I don't know, Thailand, I can move to anywhere I want in the world and I don't have to start from scratch. I don't have to start mm-hmm. all over to finding a job getting a visa and blah, blah, blah. At least I have control of my financial aspect. I can make money. As long as I got my internet connection and a laptop, mm. I can still make money. That was the goal. Right. That was and, the goal that I wanted to achieve. And as you were looking at Canada then, so you were able to get that working holiday visa. So I guess it gave you the confidence that, okay, at least I have a year in this country and you have a new experience. You can challenge yourself again. But you, you didn't go in knowing that you'd then be able to directly work as a software developer, did you have a job going into it or? No, uh, I'm not a good guy when it comes to planning. Mm-hmm. I usually just jump, ahead, just jump right into it and I don't know, see that, make it happen in a way. 
So even when I moved to Canada, I felt like I went to New Zealand with no English, no experience abroad, nothing. And I got a job and a visa within six months. Like if I moved to Canada, how can it be? Like, I'd like, it would be mm. so much mm. easier. Yeah, things were completely different from the reality. Once again, I moved to Canada knowing or like thinking that I had a visa for a year, a working holiday visa mm-hmm. for a year. But I moved to Canada and I found out they only gave me six months, which is the working holiday visa for Italians is, allows you to work in Canada for, for only six months, not the whole oh, year. Wow. So that changed. That's when you're looking for a job, you only have six months. It's harder for the company to, to even hire you because you only have six months. So that was mm-hmm. the first challenge. The second challenge was to find a job as a software developer was that I'm not a good software developer. I never work, as I said, in a corporate environment. I never work in a team. So I knew how to write code for myself. And also I love the aspect of coming up with idea, the design, the coding, troubleshooting. I love the whole process of making apps. When you apply for a job, they ask you, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a coder? Do you want to be a graphic designer? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And because I wanted to learn how to code, but at the same time, like I don't have the knowledge to work in a team. And also I realized I don't want to do for that for eight hours a day, every single day. Like I would drive me crazy. Like with all respect with coders, like I don't know how they do it. Like (laughs) writing code for eight hours a day. Oh my God, I I couldn't do that. So that was eye opening. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and also like a reality check for me. Like I got some saving on the side, like, but I need to find a job as soon as possible here because the saving were going down. Right. Vancouver, something I didn't keep in consideration, Vancouver is a very expensive city to live in. Right. right. Luckily for me at the time, I moved here with my girlfriend, which is, she's Canadian, my ex-girlfriend, that she's Canadian. So I had at least had a place to stay. The mm. transition to a new country was easier because just because I had her, they were like, Happy with uh, opening a bank account, like as I mentioned before. Right. <laughs> uh, I didn't have to find a place to go. I have several friends. I still at least have one person with me. And then she introduced me to other friends, other other friends. So it was easier to transition to a new life. But finding a job was much harder than I was anticipated just because mm. the time frame and I don't know, probably the more demand. I don't know. It's just my my found much, much harder to finding a job in Canada. And also to get a visa in Canada was much, much harder. So how did you make it happen in the end? And and did you stay in Vancouver or did you have to move for, uh, you know, did you move to different cities as well? No, st- still in Vancouver, so, still in Vancouver, mm-hmm. still an expensive city to live in, but uh, <laughs> it's it got good weather in the summer and it's not super cold in winter. It's got a great location for mountain biking. It's, it's a great location, great city. So I stayed there. And for, in regards of the, the working visa, so I, as I said, I was looking for a job as a software developer. I have to put that on the side when I realized I'm not mm-hmm. good at this. I'm not, <laughs> not going to find a job as a software developer. So I transitioned back to my old skills mm-hmm. like electrician and telecommunication. And... I found a job as an audiovisual technician, which new industry for me. I didn't know anything about it, but it was a good transition. It's a good environment. So I found this job. I found like a great bosses. They found, I don't know, they realized the potential. They saw something in me or whatever, but they helped me with the, the whole process just a month after I started working with them. So I started working uh, the visa process in September and 
I think it went through all the way to January, just because mm-hmm. it was like so hard, so much harder compared to New Zealand to find information online, mm-hmm. apply for a job, like apply for a sorry, apply for a work visa, and all of that was so much harder than I anticipated. Just because coming from New Zealand, it's just like a couple of clicks you apply for a work permit. I got my work permit within two weeks. Both times I applied, I renew it. Couple of weeks, I had my visa back. Here in Canada, I was like figuring out what can you apply for. Every region, every mm. area of Canada has got different rules, so different right. immigration process or different programs that you can apply to. Information online is impossible to find, and I have to hire a lawyer and mm. then an immigration advisor to help me with the process. But even then, like I had to stop working in October, with, which was when my visa ran out, mm. and I couldn't work until January. Uh. So even then, the whole process, honestly, uh, I got to, it was like got so challenging that if it wasn't for my ex and my bosses that were supporting me, encouraged me, I would just probably get on the plane and move back to New Zealand. Because like, when you move to a you know, country, you put the obstacles in front of you. <laughs> right. like, if you guys don't want me to be here, I can just go somewhere else. And I want to specify this because I said this before and I realized that I speak from a privileged point of view. I have an Italian passport, so if everything goes bad, I can always go back to Italy and life can be much worse. Right, I right. know that. So I speak for a privileged point of view, but as a privileged person and coming to Canada, if you guys don't want me to be here, I can go either back to New Zealand or back to Europe. I can go to England if I want you to keep speaking the language, speak English. Right, right. I can go somewhere else. Like if you, I, I'm here to try to provide something to the country. I want to do something great for the country. I want to help give it back to the country to give me a chance to, I don't know, for a better life. So I want to give back to the country. But, but if you don't want me to be here, if I feel unwelcome, I just leave. I don't want to mm. be, be in an environment where I don't feel welcome. So. And that's what I felt going through all these loops inside of like the immigration process. Like, F this. <laughs> just like, I'm going <laughs> back to New Zealand. Like, I, I, I'm not staying here. But I persevere and I managed to find, to get a visa in January 2018, or something like that. And last year in 2020, I got my PR, my permanent residency. Sure. So did, do you feel now with the permanent residence that you're able to really have the stability that you were looking for? Because I, b- I believe that uh, you said in New Zealand, they didn't allow you to get the permanent residency. So I can imagine that it was a really good feeling for you right now. Yes and no. Yes and no. Actually, it was funny because when I got my PR, in the morning, I went mountain biking with my boss. And at the time, we had like a very little work. So that was 2020. And during that time, probably I work half of the year. Half of the year was just, just off. There was no jobs. Mm-hmm. And I remember going mountain biking with my boss and say, like, if things don't improve, if, if the job doesn't come up, like, I think I have to go back and leave to my mom with my mom again. Like, I, I can't mm-hmm. afford to live in Vancouver, an expensive city. I have no friends here because all the friends I made was through my ex and we broke up at the time. Uh, yeah, so that's tough. I, like, yeah. I'm here alone in another country. It's expensive to live, like through COVID, like there was like all these challenges, like what, what, what I'm doing here? Like if, if I at least don't have any, even work, like I should probably just better going back than live in Italy with my mom and friends around, especially this, this tough time, like through COVID and all of that. Right. And funny enough, in the afternoon, like I got the email from an immigration that my PR got approved. 
And then things changed, like just immediately just clicked. Like, because now I'm not only allowed to work for the company I was I work for. I had the safety mm. net, the fact is I can find another job. If I really want right. to stay in Canada, right. I can always find another job to pay the bills. Luckily, things turned out that we had job coming in, like in 2021 was way better. But as I said before, like the PR, yes, gave me that more like safety net, the fact that I can work in the industry, I can switch, I can do whatever I want. Kind of, I can even start my own business, which I did. And they give me that freedom. But at the same time, the safety, I, the security that I was looking for, I haven't achieved yet just because I'm mm-hmm. still working for a company mm-hmm. that like I saw in 2020, if the job runs out of things, the economy, like COVID it's I still don't have the mm-hmm. security of an income. I still have to, and now what? I need to find another job. I need to come out with something else. So I still don't have that, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And what does that look like for you now? So is that more on the sort of podcasting side of things? Or are you still keeping up the uh, programming and, and building your different projects on uh, the app side of things? Or how, how are you thinking about getting that next level of freedom that you're looking for? Uh, right now, I mean, when I started with the podcast at the beginning of 2020, that's took over my like entire social life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which was like a pretty limited 2020 and still pretty limited in 2021, but it's getting better now after COVID. But the podcast took over like a, a lot of time and I, I, I don't know, mental energy and low, like I'm, I'm spending a lot of time like just doing through the podcast and through the business that now is a business that i'm building to help other people moving abroad mm-hmm. and but still like I'll, I'll love to go back and do some like i have the ideas i have some ideas i want to develop into an app and i, I love the process as i said before, as i mentioned before i love the process of creating something from nothing you have an mm-hmm. idea you design it and if you come with the front the design it becomes like are you writing code and then all of a sudden it happens it happens up coming up on your phone and you tap things and making things work. It just, I don't know, I, I love the whole process and you have control mm-hmm. over the whole thing. I love the process. So hopefully one day I will have enough income that my podcast can pay for the bills and I can, so I can quit my job, my full-time job. And that means I have the whole day that I can work on, on my own stuff. <laughs> and hopefully that opens up a new opportunities. So hopefully I will go back and I'm going back and develop more apps. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So tell uh, tell us all a bit about that podcast, and of course, how people can find it. Uh, you know, what? Why did you start it? How's it grown so far? And uh, how can they find out more information on? And of course, tune in for your future episodes. So I started the podcast in, as I mentioned, beginning of twenty twenty. Like many other people, they are like have no work to go to. I was home doing nothing. Like what I'm gonna do? Uh, just I. So I decided to, it was like in the back of my mind to start a, be a podcast. I wanted to do that with my brother back then to improve his business growing and uh, just because he has a business in Italy. So I wanted to have a podcast and I thought I could join the fact that I want to have a podcast with helping my brother. So I could be two things combined. I can have something amazing coming up, but that never happened. Either my brother and I were not, yeah, I mean, you, you know how to start a podcast. It can be intimidating, especially at the beginning. Like you're listening to your own voice and all of that. So it was challenging. <laughs> so yep. I did, I have some, like on the other side, I have somebody that 
didn't even know what a podcast was. So it was like a lot of resistance. So in 2020, I found myself with nothing to do. And I thought, okay, let's start a podcast. And I started thinking about what can I do? What, what, what is the podcast can be about? And I wanted to combine the passion I put for, for podcasting and help, helping other people. And I thought that the best thing ever happened to me was the fact, actually, the best decision I ever made for myself was to leave Italy and mm. go abroad. I wish more of my friends would do that. I tried to convince men, convince them so many times to just do it. Just you have no idea how the grass is greener on the other side. It's, just do it. But I always have resistance because ah, oh, it's too hard. I don't speak the language, and there's like all these challenges. So I wanted to through the stories of other people show that yes, it's challenging, and yes, it's not easy, and it's not for everybody, but. Once you do it, like the way you grow, once you move abroad, once you put yourself in those situations, it's just, I don't know. There's just, I don't know. It's just so priceless. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's so amazing the thing that you can, you can gain from like making one single decision in your life. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to like share these stories because I love podcasting. There's other podcasts that help me going through other situation in life, just hearing other people's perspective, other people's stories, the fact that you are, if you have challenges in your life, doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're not good enough. That mm. means that that's the right process. That's everybody that's trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve. They're going on the same path. There's going to be challenges, but if you keep going, if you, you overcome the challenges, at some point you will achieve your goal. And for mm. me, like, I wanted to apply the same mechanism on the same, uh, apply the same principle on moving abroad. Yes, mm. there's going to be challenges. And yes, there's going to be moments that you want to give up. But if you keep going, this is what you're going to see on the other side. And then now I've got the experiences. I've got the stories of the people that did it. And one question I always ask my guests is like, do you have any regrets about leaving your country? And after over 50 interviews so far, I have nobody ever said yes. Like, <laughs> yes, I regret it. I never. That's a good sign. Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody ever said that. So that, exactly, as you say, it's a good sign. And hopefully through like a, this is, a, this story is like a, this, some of the stories are amazing. You, you, you probably know, you probably, I'm sure you know that some of the, the story, like even when I tell my own story, especially with friends back in Italy or the people I met, like, oh, Daniel, you've been so brave to leave Italy. Like, yeah, but listen to this story yeah <laughs> they have to go through so much worse like as i said mentioned before i'm a privileged person i applied for a visa in new zealand within two weeks they gave me a visa and for mm-hmm. me the only thing i have to do is buy a, a flight ticket with my money in the bank that i save through my job and go to the other side that's it I, the only thing you have to do is buying a ticket and go to the other side of the world Right. For some people, even getting a visa is impossible. Mm-hmm. And not even like a talking about like the saving the money to sure. buy it for a ticket. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, yes, my life was, if you put in perspective, yes, coming from my point of view, from, uh, from the people in the same circumstances, yes, I might have been braved. But if you look at the bigger picture, oh man, my life was so much easier than other people. Just mm-hmm. when you, that's what I'm saying. Like most people that listen to the podcast, are probably in a privileged situation. And when you hear those stories, like in people that achieve it and what they've done to achieve it, like what stops you? Like, like what excuse do you have? Like, there's no excuses. 
if you want to do it, like there are other people in much more situation than you that did it, you have absolutely no excuse to not pull the plug and uh, and chase the, the best life that you could have. Sure. So do you have a website that people should check out or or what's the name of the podcast they should search on their favorite podcasting app? Oh, yes, you're right. Yes, the <laughs> podcast is called Immigrant's Life and Immigrant is spelled with an E and not with an I because I don't like the word immigrant. I prefer the word immigrant. So the podcast is called Immigrant's Life and you can find immigrantslife.com. You can find us on social media like we are pretty much everywhere, social media like Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook and all of that stuff. So you can find us everywhere. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely put those links in the show notes, but I have one more question for you, which is where do you see yourself kind of going from here in the next couple of years? Not to make this into too much of a job interview, <laughs> but just thinking more about, look, you, you know, you've, you've got your situation set up there in Canada. You've got the permanent residence. Do you think that you'll be staying there for a while or do you feel like you're maybe getting a little, you know, restless and looking for a new challenge again? I am restless. Actually, I just came back from like a month of traveling for work. And every time I go back to the city, I realize like I'm not a city kind of guy. Like mm. I, I was working like in Kamloops, which is like a three hours away from, from Vancouver, but just like you, you it's beautiful. You drive from, mm. from the Coca-Cola, from the, from the highway coming down into Kamloops. You can see all the desert, all the like nothingness around the city. Oh man, I love that. I love that. Coming back to Vancouver, like high rises and buildings and concrete, it's just not for me. So I feel like I need to, to make a change in my life. But at least for now, I want to stay in Canada just because I want to get just I want to get a passport, I want to get citizenship. Because mm-hmm. at least that that would be my plan B. As I didn't mention before, but I don't want to go back to Italy. That's, I think, I don't want to, at least for now, I absolutely don't I have no intention to go back to Italy and live in Italy, at least. So I need to have a plan B. Once I got my, let's see, my plan B in, in place, which is like, at least if everything goes bad, I can always go back to Canada, which is a pretty <laughs> good place. I, I want to, I want to get, I want to get there because I don't want to start all over again in another country and go through the whole immigration process, and, <laughs> which I will, but. If something goes bad, at least I can go back to Canada, which is a great place. So I'm right. going to stick around in Canada until I get my citizenship. And then after that, probably moving back to New Zealand at some point. I mm. love that place. I miss that place. I miss the people. And I think that's where really I belong. That's where I feel like home. Mm. So I think I'm going to get there at some point. I'm working towards <laughs> that goal. But until for now, I'm thinking I'm going to stick around in Canada and... Uh, I'd have more like a Canadian experience, at least for a couple of years more. Sounds great. And definitely like your idea on having the multiple passports. I think it's always a great way to go. Thank you so much, Daniel, for sharing your story with us today. It's been a real pleasure and look forward to seeing where you head in the future, hopefully back to New Zealand, but maybe we'll get a chance to have a beer or say hi at least one of these days in person. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, maybe we can do even like a, I don't know, um, second episode, like five years afterwards i don't know it's still like a, a segue of the the story if it's develops in a different country who knows but it was a pleasure it was a pleasure to be on the other side of the microphone for once i really enjoy it and thanks for all the all the great questions if you enjoyed today's episode please take a minute and give us a five-star review on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts 
It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. You can quickly find out where and how to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash expatempire. If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it so we can continue growing the global expat empire community. Keep up to date on new Expat Empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for our newsletter to get our free ebook, Top 10 Tips for Moving Abroad, right now. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Expat Empire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering free consulting calls to discuss your moving plans and how Expat Empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening. And stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks.